And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic Hockey Show. On this Tuesday, my name is Julian McKenzie. I'm filling in for Ian Mendez. Uh, normally, I'd be filling in for Haley. And Haley's not here, so Sean Gentili is here. So Sean and I are hosting Ian and Haley on the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm as confused as you are. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You forgot a very important part of the equation. Wait, wait. What's what's the important part of the equation? I'm forgetting it. It's that you and Ian were originally subbing for me and Craig. Because it's Tuesday. Yes, yes. So I'm because, literally filling it for the fi- because Whoa. we gave because because we spelled you guys on Monday because of uh, Victoria Day, which is a yes. holiday that I've known has existed for oh, 48 hours now. Uh, <laughs> so this is like it's I we need to like f- do a trade tree maybe or like break this down, you know really really overdo it but i think like the the main the main takeaway here is that i am uh substituting for myself i think is where is 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 where we're at because i'm back because i'm back in this because i'm i'm back in the chair for tuesday like i i don't know i i like chris needs the producer chris needs to maybe play the play the national anthem play play the uh play play the tuesday boys intro over this or or half of it i don't know i'm very i'm very confused you're confusing me right now <laughs> this this is this is wild you know yeah, that you guys can't see this but i'm i have like a whiteboard behind me and i'm drawing a very elaborate diagram <laughs> over who ended up where and why we why we ended up there and and now and now we're both very confused you kind of look like charlie day from it's always sunny philadelphia <laughs> so you could recreate that it's like scene where he's like yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got stacks of Pepe. I'm, I'm, draw, I'm drawing li- lines, lines with yarn. Yep, that's me. Oh yeah, that's awesome. How many times have you been told you look like Charlie Day from oh, It's Always Sunny? I got it, brother. In like in like 2008 or so, it it was it was happening a lot. Like at the at the peak, <laughs> at the peak of It's Always Sunny, like right around the time I I, I grew a beard, it was like it was, <laughs> it, was ha- it was happening. It was happening a lot. Okay, we're gonna try it not to make uh, this podcast too much of a comedy session. Who there cares? are some NHL <laughs> topics. Yeah, whatever. Uh, we're good. There are there are some NHL topics we have to get to. That's what Joe's for. Joe Joe Smith was our guest. He brought he brought the actual he brought the actual analysis on on the on, on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the second segment. That is very true. Uh, we will have him, uh, but I do want to talk about uh, Nazem Kadri mm-hmm. and uh, what have the last few days have been like for him yeah. in the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues series. Uh, even though we do touch off on a lot with the Tampa Bay Lightning with Joe Smith, uh, there seems to be a very interesting uh, alleged story surrounding the Florida Panthers, who are now out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
We'll also take the time to uh, look ahead for uh, game fours between uh, the Battle of Alberta teams in Calgary and Edmonton, uh, the Rangers as well, and the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And I put out a Twitter question of the day. We'll get to the answers for that because of the fact that uh, Sean and I are backups today (laughs) coming in. We want to know who you think the best or your favorite uh, backup goalie in NHL history is. So we have a lot. I just checked the some of the results. They're they're starting to roll in, baby. We're gonna get some on the way here, but I want to start with Dawson Kadri first because mm-hmm. uh, he gets himself his first Stanley Cup playoff hat trick against the St. Louis Blues in Game Four, puts the series up three one in favor of the Colorado Avalanche. But that is only uh, striking the surface of mm-hmm. what it has been like for Nazem Kadri these last few days. We. Think of game three, where he's involved in the collision with Callie Rosen into Jordan Bennington. Bennington looks as if he's out for the rest of the series. A water bottle is thrown during an interview involving Kadri on TNT. Threats are then sent his way online. Uh, and then the game happened. Well, before the game happens, Craig Berube asked to uh, comment on them, at least, at least announce them. And he mm-hmm. says no comment. David Perron kind of says something, but not really. Then we get to the ice and mayhem breaks loose at one point between Perron, Pavel Buchnevich, and Nazem Kadri. I know I'm kind of bringing up the details. It's a little scattered, but a lot has taken place. And it all leads to Nazem Kadri scoring a hat trick, which puts the Colorado Avalanche up ahead 3-1 in their series. Sean, let's try to break this down as best as we can. What's your takeaway from how that game went down and how Nazem Kadri has handled all of everything he's faced in the last few days? I think maybe like the stick that Kadri used or something should be should be sent to the Hall of Fame after that. I mean that was that Jeez. was just that was, that was I mean I I'm, I'm I think I'm half joking about that, but that was that was legendary legendary stuff from Kadri to 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 do that in the face of you know the two days of bullshit that he that he kind of had to endure. A quick thing about about Barube too, while we're talking about this, like whatever he did yesterday with. Getting asked to do the bare minimum, right, at his at his press conference, meaning like just say like, yeah, this was a this this was a bad look by whoever did it, you know, whatever. Brube opted out of that. That happened after we recorded the Monday show, right? So we we sort of talked about we we obviously talked about the Kadri situa- situation, but that was you know a little bit of you know context that we missed because because Brube was speaking a, a, a little bit after, which you know I'm glad. I think that makes the schedule that we've been on the last couple of days great because I'm I'm glad I'm glad to come on and come on and come on and talk about that. Um, I you know I I just go back to what to what Kadri said after the game in the TNT interview, kind of kind of coincidentally where where Bennington where, where Bennington seems to have chucked chucked the bottle at him a couple of days before that. You know he's he uh I he this is something that that Nazem Kadri's had to deal with his his entire career. And he's and he he said it himself, you know, you got to act like it's not that big of a deal, but but it is, and and it's it's got to be something that that wears on him. But yeah, I, it was it was just nice. It was nice to see him, uh, kind of put 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 everything together in term in terms of product. That, that was a prime Nazem Kadri game. That was him at his best, and for it and for it to come after, you know, the the couple of days of bullshit, you know, ra- racist ugliness from. From whether it's folks in Toronto or 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 just racists abroad, um, it was it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. I'll say this: this is a very multi-layered situation to deal with when it comes to Nazem Kadri, mm-hmm. because there is the angle you can take where you say Nazem has done everything he can to rise above the bullshit that he has seen. Now, I know we're saying bullshit a lot on this podcast, but it is bullshit what he's been mm-hmm. receiving uh, across social media. And it has just been amplified with what has gone on in this series. And it happens a lot to racialized BIPOC players where Mm -hmm. they're in situations where they have to play through that sort of stuff. Like if something you've probably seen it on on social media before where people are just kind of groaning and, and, and just holding their heads at the idea that if a racialized athlete in some sport does something off, the next thought is, Absolutely. oh, no, their mentions are going to be littered with racist crap and derogatory remarks. I don't know if you've seen uh, – I've seen a couple colleagues share this on Twitter, but I believe um, 
Nazem's partner was sharing like Instagram DMs that they've received after the hat trick. Like it was it was absolutely insane. To this it point, their, I'm just trying to make to here. Their, it was yeah, their right. it was it was their cat account too, right? Yeah. Like it was that was that was where Nazem's partner. I'm I'm very sorry. I I'm I'm blank. That's I'm blank, fine. I'm blanking on her name right now. But that was that was where she shared it. Like that's that's the level of you know, the level of weirdness and, and, and ugliness that people that people are tapping into here. Exactly. And the point I'm trying to make here is this. We're at a point now where we're we're commending Nazim to for for rising above that sort of stuff. When do we get to a point where players like Nazim don't have to deal with that? And that's not something that they have to, you know, worry about. Like Nazim I was talking about it with Chris Johnston on on our show, the Chris Johnston mm-hmm. show. And he talked about it when he covered him in Toronto. He was a guy that like you could not say too much to him because he's just able to kind of push through. How much right. of that is because of the racism that he's endured that has kind of hardened him to stuff like that? And the fact that in different interviews on TNT, he's also said like, hey, I've I've gone through that stuff before. Like he's experienced it. Like how long until we get to a point where players like Nazem don't have to worry about that. I, a thread of a thread I came across on Twitter uh from Sunny Sakdiva who works for for mm-hmm. Sportsnet kind of made that point. And that really resonated in my mind here because we're going to hear a lot of it in the in the next few days about how Nazim is so brave for fighting above what has gone on and and how he's a hero and all that and yes, he deserves that. But the next step is for, you know, Hockey fans who think this stuff is okay to realize it's not okay to be going in some dude's DMs and making the point uh, that, you know, just just however they want to make their point, which is normally just unhinged as it can be. That's the next step in this evolution that has to happen. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, expect expect nothing and, you know, maybe, maybe someone will outkick your expectations there. Like, I, I don't, I, I think this is something that, it's never going to get completely eradicated, you know, like this is, and that's, and that's unfortunate on a whole, on a whole nother level. Yeah. I, I think you, I think you kind of touched on this with, 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 with Kadri specifically. The thing that's the really frustrating thing is that this is the first, this is the first wave of is, is the inevitability of it all, right? Where there are reasons for blues fans to be pissed at Nazem Kadri, and there's reasons, and there's reasons for them to, you know, whatever, chirp, chirp him in his replies, or or talk or or talk shit about him, or whatever. He's he's given them a reason. He he says he. We saw what happened last year with Justin Falk. We saw what happened against Bennington. Like I I said it after the game. Like, you know, this is that is an instance where and and we where did. Did he maybe not go out of his way to to, to stop the collision there? Like I, I don't know. These are valid hockey talking points, and these are things that we see over and over again from other players, from white players, and they have the privilege of not being able. They have the whether it's it, pick pick whoever it is, Brad Marchand, Jacob Truba, like anybody Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson anybody who's pulled dirty bullshit over the last however many years white players who have they have the privilege of being able to do that and not have it turn into some ugly racialized you know violent kind of threat situation and that is not the case for Nazem Kadri. like he he can't he can't be dirty and just and just and just or whatever borderline or whatever you want to say he he can't do that and just move on with his life right like it and and, and deal with garden variety baseline level ugliness from from the fan base it's elevated however many levels from from that and it is 100 percent because because he's a muslim player and that's what's frustrating is that you know we see this from we see this in every series where there's where there's some level of of nonsense and it's only when it's involving guys like guys like nazim kadri when when it turns into you know true true ugliness and that's and that's the that's the frustrating part what I will say to that is, in light of his past on ice transgressions that have led to suspensions at crucial moments for the teams that he's played for, mm-hmm. I see Game Four and the way that he responded as a sign of growth for him. Because 
because I think a previous edition of Nazem Kadri uh-huh. might have retaliated and might have either one put himself in a situation where he's fighting, cost his team ultimately, and who knows what would have happened with him in the playoffs. But the fact that he stayed out of trouble, I know there's mm-hmm. some fans out there who felt that the bump that he did on David Perron after I think it might have been Perron might have hit him first. Or it might have been Bucinevich might have hit him first mm-hmm. along the boards before they started skating towards each other in the neutral zone. And there was like a bump. Someone was trying to make the point it was a cheap shot. That's some BS. That's not a cheap shot yeah. at all. Perron and, Buc- and Bucinevich were the two main aggressors in that. Turns into a five-on-three. And just at the end of that, Kadri is able to score. The fact that Kadri was able to take that situation and score not once but thrice mm-hmm. in that game, positively helping his team win as opposed to just kind of stooping down to the level of Perron and Buchnevich and gooning it up with the St. Louis Blues. That I think you can take as a tangible sign of growth from where he's been as a player, where he might have fallen into that trap to now where he realizes, well, not just realizes he's known this. He is a great player in the national hockey league. He's going through the, probably the best season he's ever played as a professional. And I think that game is a culmination of what his career has led to to this point. This is what everything he's gone through has led to that point, to be able to put his team in a position where they can take a massive advantage against an opponent in a, in a series. Yeah. And it makes you wonder whether that's a next, whether that was a result of kind of the next level focus in the, the, that he kind of had to hit last game. That's That was not a garden variety hockey game for Nazem Kadri. That's... A game that he pl- that he played, coming off threats and ugliness and all and any sort of, you know, any sorts of uh, craziness that a that a hockey player can can realistically deal with, right? So maybe I and, and that's and that's what makes it funny, is that this is like an all this is an all time backfire by those losers who were in his Instagram who were in his Instagram DMs and in his Twitter mentions and talking talking whatever whatever mess they were talking. Like that's the vibe that yesterday had for me. It's like it's like all right, you guys, you guys, you guys wanted this. Like here you go. Uh, just as you were making your point, uh, the Department of Player Safety announced that David Perron has been fined five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, the maximum allowable in the CBA <laughs> for cross-checking Nazem Kadri. Uh, we love we, we love we love the maximum allowable, baby. That's one of the that's one of the all-time great phrases. I'm surprised that they find him, not because yeah. he doesn't deserve it. But I also thought that they were just going to let the penalty hang. Mm-hmm. It was aggressive what he did. I was just – and I also wonder if this is the NHL's way of providing some kind of punishment to Perron because they technically can't do it after his missed elbow that's exact, on Contra that's the second That's exactly goal. what I was going to say. Is there like a double asterisk next to that where they say like this is, a, this is actually kind of because of the missed elbow? that's it they can't really do it you you didn't hit him we can't do anything about it (laughs) we could do something about you hit ramming him into the ground that sure looks like it to me yeah like here it's like five five grand thanks (laughs) yeah the maximum allowable according to we love oh we love that maximum allowable oh i'll tell you that we gotta change someone's gonna change our twitter display name to max allowable that's it (laughs) maximum allowable might be me Maximum M allowable. You are the guy to do it. Like, I can't do that (laughs) because I don't have, like, people don't know me as, like, the silly guy on Twitter like that. Like, you could do that. We'll see. The day day is young. It's 1245 Eastern. We'll We'll see what happens by the time the episode drops. That's true. In all seriousness, though, I'm glad we were able to talk about Nazem Kadri and and what he's gone through uh, over the last little while and, you know, the points that were made about that. But uh, the Avs do have a 3-1 series lead. We'll see in the coming days how that changes. Uh, we did say uh, we were going to talk to Joe Smith, who covers the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we'll get into more thoughts on that. But there's one story surrounding this series, which we don't really know <laughs> if it's true or not. It's really more unconfirmed reports at this point. Uh, one reporter around the story says he has strip club sources, apparently, uh, for context here. <laughs> For context here, uh, a radio station in Florida uh, put out a report saying that uh, they caught a handful of Panthers players at a strip club overnight. Uh, I forget exactly which day, but I imagine it's between games three and four it was, when it this was, happened. It was uh, it would have been Sunday night going into Monday's game four. 
Yeah. Exactly. So that, again, that's just one radio station saying that uh, another reporter in the area, Andy Slater, saying that uh, he has, quote unquote, strip club sources. I didn't make that up. That's something he tweeted out there. We don't really know if it's true. The Panthers denied it, but we're going to get these jokes off. Am I right? I, I've seen people get jokes off. Oh, we we, we go get these jokes off. <laughs> Dude. Andy Slater, I will say this. If anybody has strip club sources, it's Andy Slater. That dude has been <laughs> I'm s I'm not even I'm not even kidding. That guy has Damn. worked has worked for whatever the name of the radio station in South Florida is, is is escaping me. But he has been on multiple kind of crime athlete athlete legal issue related stuff for years and years and years. This is not the first time. I've seen Andy Slater reporting on like the seedy underbelly of athlete of athlete behavior in South Florida. But the idea of having strip club sources is wild, A. And B and B being able to tout them on Twitter, feeling like minor, minor best in class. This is uh but thank you, producer Chris. Fox Sports 840. That's where that's where uh that's where in, in Andy Slater's coming from. Shout out producer Chris. Also, he uh <laughs> said that um uh, the cat you're trying to think of from the Instagram page, the cat's name is Ashley, I think. That uh, I believe that is Nazem's. I believe that is Nazem's wife's name is Ashley. The sorry, cat, okay, the sorry. cat. The cat. Is, I know the cat's name. The cat's name is Jazzy. Okay, the cat's name is Jazzy, and Nazem's wife's name is Ashley. Apologies mm-hmm. for that. I just want to make sure we get that cleared up in yeah, terms totally. of continuity. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I I forgot that I forgot uh, Ashley's Ashley's name. Um, I think the and look it. It's one of those things as far as the Panthers, you know, strip club exploits are concerned. At this point, it doesn't even matter if it's true. Like it's entered, it's entered the pantheon of like, of, of playoff stories. And it, it is, a, it, this, I, this to me, I think is what we've been missing all these years because we, this is the second year of Tampa versus Florida. It had never happened in how, since 1996 or how, however, however long it's been. It's, it was only a matter of time. For when we had a uh, for when we had the the Battle of Florida, for it to turn into you know strip club wars, because you're talking about South Florida and you're talking about you're talking about Tampa, Florida, two notorious notorious spots for for that stuff, right? Like, I'm, it's just a miracle it took it it took two years for this to happen. I was I would have been content if we had like a Kodak Black sighting. We had one in round one, but I thought in round two he'd be like up on the Jumbotron, or at least we would have made a bigger deal about it. I can't believe, like they didn't, they should have done what it took to get Kodak Black in his, in his customary, in his customary spot, right? Like maybe that's why they lost. We needed, we needed more, we needed more Kodak Black involvement here. Like recapture some of that January energy that the, that the Panthers had when they were, when, when they were rolling. That's why, that's why they're out. Essentially, uh, so both Kodak and the Panthers both needed some hip action in this series, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah, you could say that. Um, <laughs> I, if there were ever, here's the other thing that, that that I wanted to say about that. And look, you you don't want you don't want teams hit hitting up strip clubs in 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 series under under any circumstance. This is not a Lou Williams situation, right? A couple oh. years ago. Whenever Lou was playing was playing for the Sixers and, and he and he went down to Atlanta to to get some to get some wings from the Gold Club or whatever whatever it was not quite not, what was the name of that Magic City is it Magic, Magic City, City. It's it, Magic it was City. Gold Club it, that was that, that that is that is another Atlanta strip club that does not that does not have the wings that, that do that you have strip club sources Sean Gentilly no I, <laughs> I, I what that's I not like to me you you know way more about these clubs than I do. I might. Who knows? Maybe it's wow. Point my, okay. It's, it's it's some point in my life I might have had Pittsburgh strip club sources. I'm an I'm an old, <laughs> I'm, an old I'm an old man now, Julian. You you know this. Um, uh, but if there were ever if there were ever a time for a team to say screw it, <laughs> we're going to Mons Venus or whatever it was, it'd be when you were down three zero to the defending champs. Like that that shit was a wrap. That series was over. So like it. it didn't it didn't matter whether they whether they you know you you could have given them twelve more games and they weren't and they weren't going to get to four against the Lightning. So I kind of respect the impulse to just be like, all right, we're out. It's three zero. Like salute. It's been a great season. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're gonna take a couple a couple hours off the clock here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll say this though. Like, there's a part of me that doesn't really care all that much. No, like, I don't care at it, all. Yeah, it's like athletes like 
off the clock, essentially. Like there are there <laughs> Okay. I, I can understand if you're a team and you don't want your players doing that and being out late at 3 a.m. I can understand that if it directly affects the team's performance, if that actually ended up being a true story. Mm-hmm. And like like Jonathan Huberdo. Okay, let me not even hypothetical. <laughs> let, let me not even put players' names in this. Chris is if this Chris ends is up being Chris true, is gonna have to go and beef out that like like <laughs> names. Players' names. I don't want Alan Walsh getting mad uh-huh. at me. That's what I'm really worried about. Right. All that to say, if it got to a point where you could directly say this affected someone's performance, kind of like um, what was the name of the DB of the Falcons who got in trouble that one night before the Super Bowl? Oh, Eugene Robinson. Yeah, <laughs> Eugene Robinson. Oh, he got like, in big trouble. Yeah. Too. <laughs> oh, he got in big trouble. But that's like, but like, come on, like you can't ignore that. But like a no. strip club. Like okay, like I mean, all right. So you're oh, you're no. hanging out, you're doing your thing overnight, whatever. That's your responsibility. You're a grown man. People frequent those types of clubs all the time. I, I don't necessarily care, but in the interest of this segment, we gonna get these jokes off. <laughs> like I said, man, it was over. It was over. Let them. It let was them, over. Let them do what they want. You guys are down three zero to the champs. Salute. I'll say enjoy, this. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your off season. It, it was it, it was a wrap on the on the series at that point. Jo- Jonathan Huberto said, I think after game three, like, we're down 3 0. Who cares? We can come back. I did not believe him. I was like, nah, you're done. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. You're done. You're done. You're done. The Tampa Bay Lightning are inevitable this at this it. point. Like, this they, is it, like, man. they like, are the team. They woke up. Yeah. And, we, and we're going to talk to Joe in, in, in detail about this for all the reasons that, you know, first, first sweep of the John Cooper era, by the way. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Which I still can't believe. It's wild. But yeah, we I think I think Joe Joe's the man when it comes to breaking down what is going on with that team and why it happened and how they got there and you know we did not we did not bring up the strip club incident with him because we I knew that, for the because, best that we did because because we knew that we were going to talk about it ourselves. <laughs> Leave him out of this I think, man. I genuinely think it was for the best that we yeah. did divulge it to Joe's no. strip club sources no, if he, he has any. He I've I've been out with Joe a few Sean? times. Joe is Joe is Joe is karaoke Joe is karaoke sources. I don't know I don't know about strip club sources. Joe's got karaoke Cari- bar sources. Karaoke and strip club, two different types of fun <laughs> <Different>. times. <laughs> those, are, those are on the other ends of the of the fun <laughs> spectrum. spectrum. <laughs> All right, before we get into more trouble, uh here is Joe Smith. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Joe, good to see you, man. How you doing? Doing well. How are you boys doing? You know what? It's uh, It's been an interesting time, uh, basically working as the fill-in for the fill-in. You know, <laughs> He's the e-bug. J- Julian yeah. is the e-bug. I, 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 think, I think that's what I've decided on. Yeah, that, that, that's basically it. Just e-bug stuff. But uh, no e-bugs uh, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning as they get the job done over the Florida Panthers. I still can't believe, you know, we know the, the Lightning are really good. And and we know how the Battle of Florida went last year, but they done and dusted the Florida Panthers in four mm-hmm. games and ha- kept them off the score sheet mainly and did all these things to ensure themselves a sweep. What was it like covering that, obviously, from the vantage point of the Tampa Bay Lightning, a series that was essentially done so decisively as it was? It's crazy to think that, like, a week and a half ago, they were facing elimination against the Leafs in game six. You know, people were worried about Andre Vasilevsky giving up three goals per game. The Leafs had him on the ropes. Like, was this the end of the era here? Was this the end of their run? And, you know, what? Six six games later, you know, they've lost since. They've given up, you know, five goals in that last stretch. You know, Vasilevsky's 
put himself on Mount Rushmore here. Like it's mm-hmm. funny how things happen in the playoffs where things change so quickly. Um, I don't think I anticipated a sweep going into this series. I know it, the numbers look, you know, 13 to three goals, fours versus against for the Panthers. You know, Vasilevsky did save 10 goals above expectation in this series. So that's pretty much ties it up right there. And these were games were close for the most part in the first few. And you remember the buzzer beater by Ross Colton in game two, or that one could have gone over time, but uh, they were, seemed like they were hanging on by a thread there in that leaf series. And all of a sudden they, you know, look like they they're ready to go for three. So it's uh that the much needed rest though for for them that this group they literally broke bones to get through this, through this series and they looked literally exhausted after a four game sweep. So getting it done last night was so important. On the Panthers end of things, I, I, what what did you see from them? Were they, were they gassed? Because I, I you you look at them and you see a team they played whatever 82, 82 games almost almost ninety two games now had to come back a million times in the regular season, had to expend a lot of energy against the caps on the Florida end of things. Like did they just seem like they hit the wall? Like what, what did, what did you see from them? Well, I mean, I think the lightning kind of just broke their will a little bit, yeah. you know, like Brunette said a couple of times, like they, they, they wanted more. They showed that they know how to win and we were trying to figure it out. And the lightning went through that before they had to go through some, some hard times and some heartbreak to win. And I think that the lightning showed their experience in this series. They, show their moxie, their toughness, um, like 77 block shots, the 44 in the run here. Um, you know, the Panthers are a talented team. I think they're probably maybe even in some areas more talented than the lightning as far as some of the, the depth they had there, but the lightning just knew how to win and they, and they, they leaned on them and leaned on them, leaned on them. And I think by, by the time it got to game three, they looked like they were kind of defeated. Um, so, uh, interesting off season for them, you know, with the coaching situation, who they bring back, they bring brunette back and, uh, their best players. I think. Mean, I think uh, Huberdeau and Barkov had combined three points in that four games, and you're not going to win, you know, many series if that's the case. And even if Bobrovsky played, I thought decently well in this series, it wasn't his fault. Um, mm-hmm. But you need more from your top guys, like the Lightning got from uh, Kucherov and the like. The Lightning have killer instinct. Like when I when I remember that Ross Colton goal from Game Two, I think of the Blake Coleman goal from the Stanley Cup Final the year earlier where he scores that diving goal in a game the Canadians absolutely need to win and eliminates any chance of that. And that series was pretty much over after that. I'm glad we brought up that Colton goal in game two. Even if it wasn't game two, just for my money, just the series was over after that. The Panthers were trying their hardest to get a power play goal. They couldn't get it. And then the Lightning find a way to score. Like, they've... They've been inevitable all round. We should have seen this coming from a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion team that maybe might have been an underdog in the first round. But this is an, a, type of, a Tampa Bay Lightning team that has shown the killer instinct at different times in this postseason when they needed to. And it's paid off for them, especially against the Florida Panthers. Do you, are you seeing that similarly as well? Yeah, I mean... Look at that last 10 seconds of game two, right? I think Florida looked like a team that will want to play for overtime. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. let's just hold on here. Hit your fourth line out there. Second D pair. Let's just let, let the time run out. The lighting's like, there's eight seconds left. There's no way they can go end to end. Let's just see what happens here. You got you know, Jan Ruda and you got Pollock get the puck deep. And then Kucherov making three, four, five plays ahead knows what's coming. And you have two defensemen converge behind the net to stop Kucherov when no one's in front. And, you know, lighting have the guys from, uh, the Ross Colton's, the Kucherov's, who can deliver that moment. And that was kind of a moment where, like, okay, game two's over. There's, I find a hard time to believe any team can beat the Lightning four out of five, uh, especially they haven't lost two in a row in the last three postseasons. So I think that would be right. I think that was a time when it was kind of pretty much pretty much done. How good is Vasilevsky, man? I mean, I, I, I once once you saw him dialed in in game seven against Toronto, I, that's, that's when I felt like, uh, uh-oh. Like, the Leafs had a chance to at least had a chance to take care of business here, and now now he's locked in. That's that's bad news for everybody else. But his play in the series, like how does that stack up with some of the stuff that we've seen from him over the last couple of years? I think Victor Hedman said last last night. I think last night's game was the most impressed he's ever been with Vasilevsky. You know, um, I think in this past series or so, like Vasilevsky hasn't had to steal a game. I mean, the mm-hmm. guys have been playing so well in front of them. Like again, compared to the game, first game one to game five against the Leafs versus the last six games, like so much difference in terms of how they're playing in front of them, not getting up the rush chances or those great days. But I think last night, I mean, 49 saves and a regulation shutout victory in a clinching game. Um, that was as locked in as seen him for a long time. But the, the thing is you kind of, I think people or fans probably need to appreciate what they're watching here. They're watching one of the all time greats in his prime at age 27 
um, you know, giving them a chance of making history here, right? Like you rarely look back on a career while it's happening and saying, this is pretty, you know, I wonder if you will watch Wayne Gretzky and said, oh, this is, you know, we're not going to see this ever again. Um, but this is something special that they're watching. And, you know, going into camp, the reason they said they could win a three-peat was if you have 88, you have a chance. And I think mm-hmm. postseason's kind of showing that under their last, you know, period in game six at home against the Leafs. And they tied up on overtime. That was it. <laughs> I know sometimes with uh, teams that win in sweeps in the playoffs, one comment that'll come around with those teams is, oh, you, they have to be careful about the rest that they'll have because maybe when they come back, they might be a little bit rusty. How do you feel about the Lightning getting the opportunity to rest after the grueling first round series they had, the series against the Panthers, and thinking about all these other cup runs they've had over these last two years? I think that's a good point. I mean, I mean, no one wants to be rusty, but I think they'll take you know, the amount of hockey that they played the last two and a half years is incredible. And I thought one reason why I didn't know if they could win three going into the, the playoffs here was I didn't know if they had enough in the tank to to beat the Leafs and the Panthers, then go through, you know, that's a lot. And then to beat the abs in the final. So I think getting just that extra few days here a week, um, you know, the injuries that they have are like Braden Point. We don't know if he'll be back, but we don't know the injuries specifically the guys that are playing through. Uh, Nick Paul and Hagel's playing through something. Steven Sampkos thinks playing through something. There's a few guys that you don't know are playing through that need just a few days to, you know, not have to go through these battles. And the way they're putting these games is not a finesse game. It's a hard-nosed game. This is, a, you know, it's a man's game that they've been winning. And so they're not on the perimeter, you know, floating around. There's a lot of guys putting themselves in front of pucks. So get a few more days here, regardless of who they're playing. Uh, I think it'll be a big boost for them, um, considering how much mileage they put on. Isn't that, that's one of those things that maybe you worry about with less experienced teams, right? Like the gap in between series. That's a, that's a concern. It's a, and it's a valid concern, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's like, it, it it's the same as the people who are worried about the lightning in the way they were playing in like February or whatever. That's, that's stuff for other teams. Yeah. Those are not, those are not concerns you harbor about, about, about the two time defending champs. Right. Yeah. And you talk to, guys that have won multiple cups, the, the pot bins and those guys. And they say like, you know, when you have a, a champion, never bet against them because they know mm-hmm. what it takes. They know how much you need to go to, you know, what, what extra is left in your tank that you didn't think you had before. And you, you know, the little details that are so important. And so I think you're right. The lightning didn't play great down the stretch and they had their struggles and, but they, once they got to playoff time, they didn't flip a switch, but they kind of got smacked into focus, their habits that they've been, used to win these these championships and i think it just really i think really turned for them you know also when brain point got injured and they can you know when they lose a top player it really made everybody kind of have to kind of band together and, and say we, we can't win three games four to three or five to four you know we can't afford to do that um and that really kind of locked everybody in together and they you've been seeing uh the results of that this is the first sweep they've ever had under cooper yeah, I, yeah I, this is that's nuts. that's insane i been slept I'm twice like... but they never slept anybody yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly John Cooper internalizing the snub from from the Jack Adams finalist. I'm sure that made him really mad, and he just wanted to go out and show everybody that he really deserved to be in that conversation. <laughs> I, I think like, the image I think of when I think of like John Cooper and worried about the Jack Adams is the, the video they show all the time of him in the backyard of a Santa Maria Island house with the pool and the cigar <laughs> and like the cup on his lap and being like, I I see it. Three. like I think Fine. the guy gives you know Jack whatever about the Jack <laughs> Adams, right? Like, I mean, certainly he's deserving, and I think like him and Sullivan get the shaft a bit in terms of, you know, when you coach, you know, elite teams, maintain that elite level and the motivation and the, the drive and, and and all the different things he did in the series to outcoach Brunette, right? The different adjustments made on, on, on the rush chances and on the penalty kill and the power play. Like, you know, so I think, I don't think he cares about that. I think there are some guys like him and Sullivan who deserve that honor if it ever comes to be. But if you have a team like this, you may never win one, you know, mm-hmm. you, unless you, it's hard to go from, Great. It's hard. It's hard to go from bad to good, but it's also hard to keep greatness alive, and that's what they've been doing. Considering the fact that it ended in a sweep, and, the, and you mentioned the fact that he that John Cooper got the best of Andrew Brunette in that series, excluding all the Stanley Cup final clinching series, I'm wondering where this ranks for John Cooper in terms of his coaching jobs uh, against playoff teams. It has to be right up there in terms of work that he's done in order to get his guys ready for a series. I think so, especially. I mean. You go into a series without Braden Point, like an engine for your team and a key part of your power play, uh, a team that was, right, was rightly favored, you know, against the Lightning. Um, their season, they're 
the highest scoring team that NHL has seen in 25 years, right? Like the, it wasn't a, a fluke and they had, mm-hmm. they scored one, this one goal in three games during the regular season. Once since January, they, got, they only scored one goal all four games of this series. And they're losing their first shutout since last year, game six. But all the many adjustments that they made, they, they took advantage of like the zone defense that Florida used basically, and they just got everybody in front of the net, and they kind of used their quick puck movement to get all those chances early on. Uh, they didn't give them any really any rush chances. Um, that was their bread and butter, yep. and they made Florida play a patient kind of prodding game, or made them dump it in and try to fight for every inch. And once you get through those six foot two, two hundred forty pound defensemen, you have Vasilevsky there, and so the the margin of error is pretty thin. And I think it was you saw them get frustrated. I think. Panthers did as far as offensively. They wouldn't come in easy as they, they thought it would be. And it reminded me of the, of the Lightning in 19. Um, they scored like five goals a game. I think to Columbus and they couldn't score. They got frustrated. They got ticked off and took some dumb penalties and just like, like look through their arms up like, what's what's going on? One last one for you, Joe. You mentioned Braden Point. The fact that the Lightning were able to get through that second series without arguably their best center. Impressive. What's the latest with him and, and his injury? Looked pretty bad uh, from that Toronto Maple Leaf series. Are we going to see him at all in this, in these playoffs again? That's it's hard to say at this point. Like they, Cooper said he'd be day to day after game one, but there has not really been any much updates since then. I don't believe he's skated since then, or at least Cooper said no, been no pro, no update on that. Um, we know how tough he is and one of the toughest players you know on this team, but um, I think you know all of us have been going on the assumption that you know until. We hear otherwise. We're not assuming he's going to be back anytime soon. So um, you've been in the gym working out, teammates say, and been around the team and been a good presence. But uh, when you look the way he got injured and the way he tried to skate after that mm-hmm. and his reaction on the bench when he couldn't go and just how devastated he was, he kind of, and I don't want to read body language, but that seemed like he knew the guy who knew who'd be out for a bit at the worst time of year to do that. So um, I don't want to make any, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV or on the athletic, but I, I just, you know, we'll probably find out more in a couple of days, but you know, I don't, I think the, the, the mantra that they use to win this series, I'll be able to use next series if they don't have them, uh, which uh, is pretty successful this time around. You can just hang out with the rest of those guys and watch the Rangers and the Hurricanes beat the hell out of each other for the next few days. That's fine. <laughs> he, can, he can just chill. Yeah. He just chill and, and watch it. And I think they're hoping to go seven, right? And they wouldn't be playing until mm-hmm. after Memorial Day. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been a, been an incredible run to, to watch. I mean, 10 straight series, only a couple teams in history have won more than 10 straight series, Islanders and, and the Montreal Canadiens. So it's crazy. They're pretty much rare air right now. And, you know, like Os Korn said, you know, well, 12 sounds better, doesn't it? You know, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if uh, they can get the final eight here. The only thing that's almost as impressive as the Lightning winning all those consecutive series in a row and, and getting those cup championships or the people who get to cover them like over and over. And like, you've been there for like every series. So like you have an opportunity to cover a three P here. Like, how does it feel for you just personally getting that opportunity to, to cover a team like that so closely? It's pretty, it's pretty wild. I mean, consider like, you know, getting a chance to see guys since they've been drafted to the Kucherovs and those guys from the day one and brain points. And then all of a sudden seeing them getting named <laughs> next to guys in, in NHL history that are one of the best. So, um, it's much better now, I think, than the, the first year because it was the bubble and I watched every game on TV. So that was a little different way to cover a championship team. And I watched them win the cup on my dad's couch in Michigan, you know, just hanging out, you know. So being there in person last year and, get, you know, when they won in Tampa and then being here for the playoffs and being there on interviewing people in person, you get a different feel and vibe about what that's like to go through. And so, uh, yeah, it's definitely a historic moment and you want your coverage to match that historic moment. Joe, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for hanging out with Sean and myself. Looking forward to uh, the rest of the coverage from yourself during the rest of this postseason. Enjoy it, my man. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And we'll do it again, uh, hopefully soon. Yes. Yes, we will. In a couple weeks. At the cup, <laughs> or a few weeks at the cup final. Yeah. Just just pencil them in. It's over. Yeah, just, we'll, just put them we'll in ta- there. We'll talk to you later. Tampa, Tampa versus Colorado. <laughs> Tampa versus Edmonton. Calgary. That's bolton board material, man. Better watch that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a, like, that- like uh, we'll have uh, Kurz or Kurz or Sivian can hang that on their wall. Whatever. It can be bulletin board ret- material for the writer. That's obviously what it is. Nathan McKinnon oh, will listen to this podcast and be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a Colorado Tampa series, though. That'd be unreal. That's the dream. I'm rooting right? for that now. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for that. I wanted that two years ago. <laughs> In last year. And last year. 
in this year because because it's a second round and the abs are gonna find some way to blow this okay see you later joe yeah oh my god (laughs) joe thank you again in all seriousness uh dude good luck for the rest of the playoffs thanks so much happy to be the backup here today so. <laughs> I, think, I think. Well, hold on. I don't know. We're we're all we're all backups here. This is like, except this Chris. Is Chris is the only the person board. who's supposed to be here. Call me Brian Elliott, man. Moose is Moose is loose. So take care, guys. Yep. Peace. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Sean, we've uh, finished our look back at uh, games that took place on the holiday Monday. Mm -hmm. Let's look ahead to games that are going to take place on the Tuesday. Between Carolina and New York and Calgary and Edmonton, which of these two matchups are you looking forward to the most? Hmm. Try not to give a cop-out answer here. I think for this game, (laughs) as in the ones that are going to happen on Tuesday night, I think in I think it has to be Carolina, New York, because of mm. because of what Gerard Gallant said, because of the uh, because of the the tie domey, you know, tie tie domey. That's a that's a Freudian slip. The Max domey, the Max domey. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen both play, right. so it, 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 could was, be, it, it wasn't could too be, dated for me either, honestly. Um, because the Max domey extracurriculars, right at, at the end of, at the end of that game, um, I think that's sort of what. At least for tonight, that's what's that's what's got me. That's what's got my attention. And over the course of the series, you know, we're going we're going Battle of Edmonton. But tonight specifically, um, I'm very interested in seeing what goes down between between the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Yeah, that's interesting because I was taking Battle of Alberta because mm-hmm. because and you say Battle of Edmonton, I know you slipped up there. I said Battle of Edmonton. That, oh my god, you did. But here's the thing, though. I'm surprised at how Edmonton has played throughout these last yeah. three games. And I'm including game one where they allowed mm-hmm. nine goals. You know what the most points after that game one? Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid. One yeah. goal, three assists. He had a four-point night after game one. He has 23 points in 10 games uh, throughout this postseason. Like Connor McDavid, we are seeing the best version of Connor McDavid yeah. possible this year with the way that he had the career best numbers. I get it. The Hart Trophy is going to go to Austin Matthews. You can make your points about how he deserves it. I get it. But it is going to look very funny if the Edmonton Oilers make it to the conference final or the Stanley Cup final and they award the Hart Trophy to, mm-hmm. to, to, to Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid just going to be sitting here and be like, so so I didn't do yeah, nothing this right? year? I know, seriously. This is, this I'm is not the, saying I disagree. I'm just saying it's going to look funny. This is the problem with, and I'm all for requiring votes to be in at the end of the regular season. But the problem is when is when this is when this gets to is is when this gets announced, because like you said, whenever the heart, whenever the heart, you know, actually is awarded, people have all this baggage built up after whatever happens in the postseason without kind of the with without the realization that you know this this shit's due in April or whatever. Um, I kind of go back to something Daryl Sutter said after that after that first game. I thought Haley Salvian wrote a wrote a wrote a solid piece about you know the kind of the leveling up that we've seen from from Connor McDavid, 
Sutter said it after the first game. He was like, if if he gets four points every night, it's going to be you know good luck in the next round, Connor. And I think we're I think we're seeing the truth, <laughs> the truth that was that was in that statement that last game. In what whatever whatever the final was, it was it was five to five to two, whatever. Can't, can't, we don't remember can't, scores around can't, here. Can't, I, I forget. Can't even remember. I'm so bad with scores, man. I'm terrible with scores. But it was it was three points, three points, or uh, three points from, from from Connor McDavid, and he didn't score. And you have the na- the the natural hat trick for Evander Kane and all that. I mean, there were, and Mike Smith was good. Yada yada. There's all these different reasons to feel, you know, good about good coming out of that game. If you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, that game happened, and that result was the result because of because of Connor McDavid, and Haley kind of broke down, you know, just showing the damage that he did and the different ways that he did it, and the fact that the Flames didn't really have much of an answer for him, despite throwing the kitchen sink at that dude. I think that is what that's what's taken me in this in this series is looking at all the different things the Flames have tried, where like. Do you give him space? Do you play him tight? Like on and on and on. You go down the list of all the different stuff, all all the different you know tactics that they've that they've used on this dude, and none of them have worked. And you know, over the course of a seven game series, I'm I'm still you know content to pick the Flames because I do think they're the better five on five team, and their roster is far far superior. But the fact that this series is where it is. And the fact that the Edmonton Oilers are where they are after the start to that series—forget the Flame series against the Kings. This dude has dragged them there, and he's got the potential to drag them a little further. It is—it is wild. Yeah, I, I still think of that Connor McDavid goal he scored against the Kings. I want to mm-hmm. say in Game Six, where he willed himself to the net. Like what every a lot of highlight reel goals we see from Connor McDavid, he is just—it's just effortless. He's using the skill. To make something happen. That goal he scored. Where you see him celebrating. Alanel Yakupov going to center ice. That was pure sheer will. And that was a sign of a different Connor McDavid. We were going to see. As for this series against the Flames. There are Flames fans. Who are missing Chris Tanev. To the point I'm coming across one tweet here. Uh, the Twitter ad is not that Kristen. If Chris Tanev needs a limb. I will give it to him. That's how much Flames fans miss Chris Tanev because he is the guy who would be normally used uh, to stop Connor McDavid. And unfortunately, uh, they do not have him at their disposal just as of yet. There was a tweet that uh, our good buddy Harmon Dial put up a couple of days ago. Uh, how massive is Chris Tanev's absence so mm-hmm. far this series? Tanev historically slowed McDavid's line. McDavid career head-to-head versus Tanev at 5-on-5. 5. 252-41 time on ice. 8 goals for, 11 goals against. Just 1.9 goals for per 60. 51% shot attempt share, 45.8 expected goal share. That's all natural stat trick stuff. Because mm-hmm. that's, they, that's all they need. <laughs> they just need someone who can slow down McDavid. And I think Tanev is that guy. You know, he's consistently their most reliable defensive, defensive guy. And again, to go back to, I, I mean... Haley brought this up again in, in which, in what she wrote about, you know, that series so far, the way that Daryl Sutter uses him, he's like the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the security blanket for Oliver Shillington, who's at a, who's at a rough go of it, this series, the fact that Tanev out is out is also necessitated plan. Like, you know, Nikita Zadorov and Eric Branson a little bit more, like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, uh, falls into place whenever you have Christian in your lineup and you can count on, you know, 21 solid minutes a night from him. And that is the difference I think between Calgary winning this series and, and losing it. So yeah, the game fours uh, on the Tuesday, not the holiday Monday, uh, pretty <laughs> exciting stuff. Of course, there's one thing we want to do before we get to the end of today's Athletic Hockey Show featuring the backups, <laughs> myself and Sean Gentili. <laughs> uh, I put out a Twitter question. Who is your favorite slash best backup goalie in NHL history? So I, I, I kind of put best and favorite because, you know, maybe some people might feel like, man, this guy is the absolute best. But some people might put up a goalie who uh, they have sentimental value to. Uh, I know for me, growing up in Montreal, I always liked seeing Jeff Hackett play games. 
I don't think he was necessarily the best at playing, but like his mask was always cool. So, oh man, I I, I like a Jeff Jeff Hackett has like a place in my heart. Those are the kind of guys who you who you gravitate towards, right? Like you don't need much of a reason to like a backup goalie. It can be because they have a they, they have a cool mask. Those are they're the they're the cult heroes for for a reason. The guy I always go to, and this this came up in in the answers is is Johan Hedberg. He wasn't quite a backup. Mm. He wasn't quite a backup when when Pittsburgh acquired him you know, back a, a million, a million years ago, but he had one of those runs in the playoffs that like that hero stuff is made of, right. Where he, you, you see these guys go on these tears and, um, and that's, and that's how you end up. Like, I, I love some of these names, uh, Andrew Hammond. I feel like he comes up on our, on our, on the Tuesday show every, every couple weeks. Um, they're the best, man. Everyone loves, everyone loves a good backup. Everyone loves a good, good, good backup goaltender, baby. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, the Hamburglar comes up. Uh, Chris Terreri name mentioned. Peter Budai is also a really good one uh, because <laughs> of the uh, Ned Flanders logo on his uh, on his oh He comes up, and also a lot of Canadians fans obviously remember uh, him a little bit more fondly, probably a little bit more fondly than uh, Andre Rasico, uh, Red Light Rasico, as uh, <laughs> he would get. <laughs> Like the people would make jokes about how he get like a little like uh, suntan on the back of his neck from the red light coming on That's behind great. him so much. That's pretty good. We got uh, we, we we got a Louis Domingue reference, but it was in yes. refer- it was in reference to a couple years ago whenever he was with whenever he was with Calgary. Matt Pisco says uh, Louis Domingue made a good impression for the Canucks during the bubble. Of course, that was playing with the Calgary Flames. That's something you never want to see. I think Louis Domingue also made a good good impression on the New York Rangers a, a couple weeks ago for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's it, man. Like he he was one. I mean, I know they went to Tristan Jerry in Game Seven, but we were. <laughs> He, he could imagine that, like a third string dude being yeah. pressed into service and helping his team get to a game seven. I know they had a lead, they blew it, but like you can't ask for anything better from Louis Domingue. The fu- the funny part of the Louis Domingue experience is like right from the jump, you're like, all right, this probably isn't gonna end well for for, for the Penguins. Like there's a ding, and God bless him, he's a chef. Everyone loves spicy spicy pork and broccoli. Everybody loved that, but. You could just you could sense from the from the jump that that probably wasn't going to work out for him. But again, man, this is this is what the playoffs are about. It's it's quasi random guys getting pressed into duty, and for good or bad, like we're going to remember him. We're going to talk about him. Wait, hold on for a second. Let me just pause on spicy pork and broccoli mm-hmm. for a second. Yeah, because I forgot who shared that photo of the actual dish that he ate, and he said it was not good. Mm-hmm. It looked nasty. He had every right to not say that was good. It was a nasty looking dish. You know who that was? It was it was it was Mike DeFabo, my buddy who covers the Penguins for the for the Post Gazette, and I was livid, livid that I wasn't in New York for that for that part of the series because that's my that's my beat, baby. I would have been I would have been the guy who was sitting in that restaurant choking down as much because <laughs> it was it was brutal, right? Like that that as far even as far as spicy pork and broccoli goes really really rough but yeah i mean that's that's boots that's a boots on the on the ground journalism gets you so shout out shout out to mike shout out to mike d in pittsburgh i mean that the way that pork look looked like boot was on that <laughs> it was it was a that was a that was a chunked up belt i think that was some that was some low grade some low grade stuff yeah pretty oh, oh. pretty pretty brutal i mean that's like those are those are the, those are the spoils of being of being a backup goaltender like how many how many times have guys eaten stuff like that and just not had the, not had the worry about it? And you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever, man. I'm just gonna eat this I'm crappy <laughs> locker room food. It's here. It's just it's here. Might as well. Do- How else am I gonna feed someone's, myself? Someone's got to eat it. It's a sin. Yeah. It's a sin to throw away food. We gotta. We gotta take care of business. How many overtimes am I gonna sit through <laughs> while this crappy spicy pork is gonna stay in my stuff? I have to play. What? Wait a second. <laughs> Oh, uh, is is Casey hurt? Is is Casey hurt out there? He looks hurt. You're like, oh, uh, man. oh my god! That's it. Then you feel your stomach rumbling. Like, oh my god! Me and me and you, couple of couple of Louis Domingues, baby. That's us. <sighs> That's basically been us on uh, the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Sean, <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out, man. I mean, we've only we've only hung out once in our lives together. This mm-hmm. is the first time we've done it over podcast. So yeah, I, it's fun. I, this is fun. This is as you fun as it could get. You know what's coming up soon? The draft. Uh, the draft. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
See you then, baby. <laughs> See you then, baby. Oh, man. Oh, we are going to get in trouble, aren't we? <laughs> no comment. Don't get in too much trouble. No comment. Oh, my God. Don't get in too much trouble, okay? Please. I'm begging <laughs> if, you. Hopefully ho- hopefully, Andy Slater isn't isn't circulating in Montreal. Though. I said, <laughs> don't get in trouble. <laughs> Try to get me in trouble in my own city. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening to The Athletic Hockey Show with myself and Sean Gentile today. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and a review. We'd really appreciate it if you thought all of our jokes about strip club sources were funny. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new show. Hopefully it won't be nearly as problematic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>